Welcome to season three of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekis-Wolf. This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley is brought to you by The Bold Italic. You ever like completely raged in a hotel room? Never have and never had to pay any damages. Every time I get the credit card, I'm a good citizen. That's impressive. I, from what I understand, not everybody in the world is a good citizen in a hotel. No, uh, that, that we learned that and much, much more in today's interview from a really talented fo- founder of Farm Girl Flowers, Christina Stemble. Christina's cool. Not a Bay Area native, has come here, kind of had an interesting career trajectory, and found a problem that she needed to solve, and she solved it. Not only that, I mean, like, she completely debunks the the mythology around, you know, a founder being extremely passionate about a problem to have to solve it. And I love that about her. Me too. This is a really fun conversation and important as you think about the small businesses in the Bay Area. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, it's, it's a particularly warm day in this little tiny room. It's it's really tightly confined here. And it's, <laughs> it's always awkward. But... Uh, but you know, it, yeah, I think I think we'll make it through. Yeah, it's gonna be great. So I'm um, really curious why you decided to move to San Francisco. Like, where'd you grow up? I grew up in uh, northern Indiana, a little tiny town, 3,600 people, two stoplights, two and a half, one by the school. 3,600 people. Yeah. Did you know everybody there? Knew somebody in their family by their last name. You're like, oh, I know a brother or cousin or something like that. So yeah, is, pretty. Is close. that what your neighborhood's like now? Uh, no. <laughs> is any neighborhood like that here in the valley i don't know i don't think so where uh, i live now kind of is we don't have mail service where i live now i live in el granada near half moon bay oh yeah yeah and we have to have a p.o box and there's no sidewalks and i think there's probably i don't know how many people but a, you know more than bremen indiana where i grew up but not much how did you end up here um a boy yeah. It's oh, okay. Now. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right. Keep going. Keep going with this. <laughs> so I lived in many places before San Francisco. So two weeks after I graduated high school, I moved to New York City. Um, I grew up on a farm and I knew I wanted to not be there. Um, it was a great place to be from. Um, you know, great values, all the things that, you know, you want to teach your little kids. But uh, knew that wasn't, I was like that kid everybody made fun of in high school that just didn't fit in. I didn't wear the Notre Dame sweatshirt and the peg jeans and the Reeboks, and you know, I just didn't really fit in. So I knew I, I needed to go somewhere else. Oh, you just I brought it in. back. I just, I was like, oh, the peg jeans. Peg jeans. Yeah. It looked like you guys might be close to my age range, so I could kind of go there. But... I'm like 65. Sunil's uh, lower 70s. Good. Yeah. But we're doing all right. Yeah. We use a lot of right. moisturizer. Yeah. I need a lot that beauty of regiment. It's great. <laughs> so New York. So, what happens in New York? Um, I thought I wanted to be an actress. Um, I went to an acting school. And I uh, realized very quickly I didn't want to be an actress. It was just like that little TV with three channels on the farm was the only like out that I saw. Um, and then moved to Chicago. Um, I started working in hotel management, opened hotels for the Kimpton Group, the Hotel Monaco. Love it's, Kimpton. It's a great hotel chain. Um, and uh, opened Salt Lake City, went back to Chicago, um, started dating a guy from the same company. And he lived out here in San Francisco. And I remember the first time he, he told me that, you know, he loves San Francisco and that's where he, he's from. And I was like, San Francisco? Like, like why? Like, why not live in L.A. if you're in California? I mean, that's all I'd heard of was L.A. I didn't yeah. really know. True love is moving to, to yeah. San Francisco for someone that you uh, 
you know that you put that you fought after the uh we had one other guest right wasn't it uh, i was actually i think it's like a <coughs> third of our guests have moved to san francisco because of somebody else because of but person. you love it now right i do um the first time i visited him i do and i don't i would say i think it's a very common response um the first time i visited him out here it was in 2000 uh-huh. uh dot com number one uh yeah. era and um it was so different than chicago where i was living in the cold and i probably came in the winter and you know it was amazing and the sun was out but it was like fall it was like crisp air but sunny and colorful houses and colorful people and I was like this is my place these are my people like I don't not fit in here it's great um and so immediately I really really liked it and so but how does the story end are you still with this no no he didn't last but I really like the city so I thank him for that (laughs) he introduced me to a great place to live if you're both working in the hotel industry and you come to San Francisco was your first view of San Francisco from the point of view of somebody who lives in hotels um, no, he was, he was from here originally from ah. San Jose area. So, um, he knew the city and he was a great tour guide and showed me a lot of different areas and we went on road trips all the time and got to see all the things around San Francisco too. So it was great. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yes, it would have been <laughs> if that weren't the case. Um, but so I liked it. Um, he, you know, we dated for I think, a couple of years and then it didn't work out, but I loved it here and wanted to stay here then. How many podcasts have you done before, by the way? I'm just curious. I, I wanted to ask that question first, but we're going a little bit out of order here. Um, probably maybe like 20 or so. 20 podcasts. 20. It's oh. like a, it's a thing around here. You can't throw a stick without a little room with a podcast set up. No, but I mean, this is my favorite, of course. Well, we oh. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. That's what you say to all the podcast hosts. <laughs> Uh, maybe a little, maybe fifteen. And do all of them ask you about this story, or have, like? No, this is. Um, I actually told um, one of my team members this morning. I was a little nervous about this one, which usually I don't get that nervous because I'm always just talking about the business story, and I can talk about Farm Girl Flowers all day long and love it. But talking about myself is a little bit different, so I, I didn't want to sound like an idiot. You, know? <laughs> so. you, you you sound great, and and you're doing great. So okay, so we don't want to go down the we don't want to go hardcore down the business route. I don't think yeah. you're I think we'll talk a little bit about it. I'm actually oh, yeah. pretty curious about being an entrepreneur that says, I'm going to be in the Bay Area and I'm not going to do anything related to tech. Or maybe that's not even a fair comment. So I want to talk about that at some yeah. point. Yeah. But like over the course of 2001 to 2018, like how do you spend your time? How do you decide, well, this dude, not for me, but the city is. Yeah, I did hotel management still. So I managed two small hotels when I came here, little boutique ones that were then acquired by Joie de Vie. Um, hotel group, and so which which ones? Uh, um, the White Swan Inn and the Petite Auberge, both on Knob Hill. Oh yeah, yeah, little tiny. Okay. I think I mean they were like fifty to seventy rooms each or something. I mean they're tiny, you know, little ones. Um, so did that. Then I went and worked for dot com, uh, World Entertainment Network dot com. Um, I don't know. W e n. I mean, it, it literally. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't think it had any way of ever making money. Um, so, but it was two thousand. Like a lot of things didn't, you know. And uh, so did that for a year before I went out of business and then uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after that. And I don't look like anybody else in Silicon Valley that I've met. Um, I don't have a college education. Um, I only have high school and a little tiny high school. It wasn't, um, you know, so my chances of landing in a very high level position were not very great. So I always go in at the bottom and then I work my butt off and then I move up very quickly. That's how I got, you know, up. To general know, although, manager of although, wouldn't you say like now it's becoming more common? I feel like, you know, um, I feel like post post Facebook, post, you know, Zuckerberg dropping out of Harvard and all that stuff. 
I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of that. Of, okay, okay, well, you know what? I'm going dropping right. out of high school, going straight to the pros. I'm I'm not going to completely disagree with you, but I I certainly felt it. Like I lived here around the same time, yeah. late uh, 1990s and into the early aughts, and it was very like classist that way. Like, oh, you don't have the Stanford. MBA from blah blah blah. You didn't go to this school for undergrad, and it like always felt like at a disadvantage because. Like Sunil, I went to a tiny little private liberal arts school, which was like, what? Come on. That's not real. That's not real anything. It's and not that... the five that everybody had on the right. resumes. I, I'm seeing that more now at the top levels, to be quite honest. And then what I'm seeing at the like middle or, you know, the really great tech jobs, though, you know, like you won't even get through their screening process without at least two degrees. You know, my husband works at Facebook and he has two degrees and I don't know that he would be working there without them, you know. But then the people at the top don't have a degree, you know, so I'm seeing that. Um, but it still seems like, you know, if you're not starting something, you have to have that a little bit. So we're, we're bouncing around a little bit, which we tend to do just to set expectations. I actually want to go back to the hotel management thing for a second. So you've probably seen a lot of hotels and, you know, managed a lot of different products. What is a crazy hotel story that you have? You're out of the business totally now. You can share. Be transparent. This is a safe space with thousands of other people listening. So what is something crazy about hotels that people should know? In San Francisco. <laughs> Actually, the craziest stuff happened in the Chicago properties that I worked <laughs> at, to be quite honest. Okay, but let's... I worked there longer. That's probably why. Um, lots of trash rooms, you know, lots of drug use and trash rooms and things like that. Um, a, a music a hip hop music star spit in my face at one. Whoa. Uh, yeah, at one. Can instance. you can you share who? Um, I don't really want the legal. With it. Uh, <laughs> there was going to be okay, something. Okay. My lawyers are always like, mm. um, <laughs> but uh, it can... was. She's she's no longer a big star though. But yeah, um, ooh, ooh. that was <laughs> that oh, subtle um, okay. karma. No. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else. There's also a lot of um, deaths that occur in hotel rooms, and that you have to like walk in at and a lot of suicides Ooh. and things like that that are really like how dramatic. many rooms do you think a person has died in and i don't pick a hotel what's your favorite hotel in san francisco uh well, the I mean, saint regis in the hotels yeah, yeah, saint saint regis. Regis. how many people do you think have died in the saint regis um i would say probably one every couple of years oh yeah. wow yeah i mean it, it happens quite frequently cause so. cause of death just um just... a lot of suicides huh mm-hmm. oh. a lot of hotel windows don't open for that reason wow yeah yeah. So, I mean, and I, I mean, when you think about it, it's it's kind of the compassionate thing to do to not have your family, yeah. you know, be the ones walk in. So, yeah, it's better to have a, you know. We took a dark okay. turn there. Sorry. Let, no, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, if, if we, geez. How do we lighten that mood? Sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, how about this? Airbnb or hotels? Knowing what you know about hotels, do you stay, do you, when you when you travel somewhere, do you stay in an Airbnb or a hotel? Um, I'm more into hotels now. I did a whole Airbnb phase. Um, had some problems with it, and um, also I got kicked off of Airbnb. Um, what? Yeah. So why did you get kicked? Okay. okay let's, yeah. Let's hear it. Um, so for my team, I usually rent a big Airbnb around holidays for the people that travel really far from like East Bay and things to be able to spend the night since we work really long hours. Uh-huh. And so I didn't follow policy and booked it. This was before they let you book it for other people. Now they let you book it for other people, but I booked it, but I didn't stay in it myself, uh, even though I let the host know that. But the host turned out to be crazy. <laughs> like he came in in the middle of the night, and I have a bunch of they're females. Um, it was just it was a crazy situation. And then so we complained about him because it was a crazy situation about him, like saying there was like a bomb threat. I mean, it was weird stuff going on. Wow. It was here in San Francisco too. And 
Um, and so then they actually kicked me off because not him because they said you violate our policy. Well, by you, not you know there. we have listeners from Airbnb, yeah. right? Can yeah, you let so. me back on? <laughs> okay. Wait, you're still not on? Oh my gosh! Um, I actually opened one with a different account. So you can do that. Sorry. <laughs> so if you're listening, to Airbnb. That. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a we have a founder CEO here who needs to get back on. The podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. So uh, hotels in San Francisco. What's the best one? Like, if you're going to recommend somebody comes into the city and they want to get the best San Francisco. Which hotel do you say you should stay at this one? Um, my favorite hotel company is the One Hotels, but there's not one in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, the ones in New York are amazing, and that's my favorite hotel company by far um, right now. In San Francisco, I still really like Kimpton Group a lot, so yeah. and they have a lot of properties, a lot of great ones here in San Francisco, so I would I would suggest that. Joie de Vie, I like those properties as well. Yeah. Um, it depends on what you're looking for. It's a little bit younger for those and an older crowd for the Kimpton. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right. So we we took our little our little segue here and our journey down the hotel <laughs> yeah, path. Sorry. Let's let's get back to let's get back to how you end up starting a, a company here. Yeah. So fast forward. Then I worked in hotels. I worked at that startup. Then after that, I was trying to figure out what to do. I didn't want to go back to hotel management. I knew it wasn't like what I wanted to do forever. And um, the interesting thing about hotels is if you just work really hard and have common sense, you can go really far in hotels. Hmm. Um, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, so I went and worked for Stanford University. Interesting, because I don't have a degree. Um, but I uh, was their head of catering on campus. So it was something I could transfer my skills from hospitality to. Um, and I actually took that job because I thought it would allow me time to start a business on the side. Because out here, I think the the coolest thing about this area is that everybody wants to start a business, it seems like. And so, and I love that, that energy, it's very infectious. And I just like, you know, everybody that's, you know, what you do, what you talk about and, um, you know, kind of similar to LA, everybody has like a headshot in their back pocket and wants to be an actress or in the creative space. Um, here, everybody wants to be, you know, a, a founder of something. And so that, you know, I got bit with that bug and I wanted to start a company, but I had no idea what, what area. Um, I went to work at Stanford because I thought, well, hotels, I'm working like 80 hours a week. I could do that probably with my eyes closed in 40 hours and then start something on the side. Um, found out that I'm just not that person. I end up making every job 80 hours a week for some reason and, you know, want to like, you know, do a bunch of different things there and add things and, you know, grow the catering department from 400,000 to 2 million in two years and that type of thing. And so um, I then became the director of alumni relations and campaign outreach at the university um, because I wanted something a little different than just hospitality. Oh, okay. So you somehow get from catering to alumni alumni relations. relations. Yeah. So there's it's a straight line. Yeah, let's total straight line. What do, yeah. Who do you? What do you do? You email somebody. You what do? You, what do you do exactly to do that? Um, the great thing is being inside the university, you get to see what all the departments do. Um, where they all have these weird names like you know campaign outreach or alumni relations or things like that. And um, it was a job where it kind of combined my skills for managing team members and events. Um, so I managed the events for the law school, uh-huh. but then also did programming. So I wanted to do something that actually used my brain a little bit differently and come up with programming for the school as well and more of the communication side of it and just learn new skills because I was doing the same thing, hospitality, over and over and over again. So um, so there was only seven positions because there were seven schools at, at Stanford, and seven of those positions existed, and people tended to stay in them forever. The benefits are really good at Stanford. Yeah. And so just – you know, one of the positions opened up and somebody didn't 
die in that position or retire, you know, and stay there for 50 years. And I didn't think there's any chance I would get it because I didn't have like two degrees from Stanford. And but thankfully, I did really good in the catering department. I did really well and um, had really good references internally, like the provost. And so um, was able to get the the position there and uh, did did that for five years. So a while. Did that for five years. But now. Yeah. So then it was like, I'm still not starting a business. What's going on with me? Um, every girl's night turns into a focus group like, hey, what about iron on pockets for your suits? Or, you know, the beta testes for me. Um, just I was definitely that person that everybody was like, oh, my gosh, just start something already and stop like with your 40 different ideas every week. <laughs> um, and so when I came up with the idea for Farm Girl, I was at Stanford. And the economic downturn had happened in 07, 08, 09. And then, you know, it filters through the nonprofit university. And, uh, you know, the departments that get cut are more the marketing side and, and events. And so I needed to be able to do, we're in the middle of a $4 billion campaign. I needed to be able to do just as many events with a lot less budget. Um, and looking at what we were spending money on, we were spending so much money on the decor for these events, the mm. same ones that you guys get invitations to asking for donations to the school. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're spending $100, $200 a pop on centerpieces for the table. And so, yeah. So I just started researching the floral space. And very quickly, I shifted from looking at um, the event side of it, like weddings and events, to the e-com side. And really, the only reason I switch, switched really quickly to that was because it was declining. And in 2009, 2010, e-commerce for any industry shouldn't be declining, right? Yeah. Every... So I'm curious. I just want to interrupt mm-hmm. because, you know, like uh, I, I've been uh, I've been a multiple-time founder. Yasha has been at a lot of early-stage startups, et cetera. I want, to, I want to cut past the – what's interesting about your story is would you say that it's fair based on the way you're describing it? Like it seems very – you're very pragmatic and you know. So this doesn't feel like, okay, you know what? I am – super passionate about this thing this is like okay you know what i see an opportunity here is that a fair assessment yes absolutely and i think that as a female founder in a creative space the story becomes most often than not that she must have been so passionate about flowers and i actually thought flowers were a big waste of money i did not think you know when i would send my mom flowers in indiana and i would have to use one of the traditional e-com companies I hated the whole process. I yeah. hated that I spent $100 for something that looked like it was $8 from the grocery store. I was not passionate about flowers. I taught myself from YouTube. So do you think the Silicon Valley mythology around like the passionate founder is bullshit? A little bit, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think you need to be able to be passionate about it. I don't like the stories that are like, you know, this tech you know, guy quit his job at Google and started a flower company and didn't know a rose from a ranuncula. That's, That's a true the story. worst. It's the worst. It is because I think you need to learn every area of that. I know everything about flowers now. I would say I'm probably in the top 10 industry leaders on flowers right now. And that's, I'm not being narcissistic. I just know every single thing about flowers. So tell us, tell us something that we should know about flowers that we don't know. So just like you told us the hotel story, what's something about flowers that's, that would absolutely blow our minds? Oh my gosh, that's a very high like expectation to blow your mind. I well, mean, we were talking about um, like why why do you think you can do a flower business in San Francisco? Like that to me it was like I don't understand why you would start that here. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, well, first to blow your mind, we're the only large scale flower company that I know of that makes every makes the bouquets in house. Nobody makes the bouquets. Like that blew my mind. I thought that every like of course it's a flower company they make the flowers. No, 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 they're all outsourced, right? Made yeah. at a bouquet maker. So that blew my mind. I don't know if that blows the your mind. The experience but... sucks. Yes. Like as a buyer and receiver, 
by and large, the experience of buying and sending flowers sucks. It totally sucks. It's horrible. It's horrible. Everything from the product to the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, why San Francisco? Um, it actually allowed me to start this company where I wouldn't have been able to in most other cities. Um, now that also, you know, I was talking about before, on the flip side of that, it it is also kind of the bane of my existence now in some respects because it's the most expensive city in the United States. So running a manufacturing facility in San Francisco might not be the wisest decision right now. Um, however, to start, there's a flower market here, a really great flower market right now. There probably won't be in the near future, but there is right now. And there's only a couple cities in the whole United States, um, LA and San Francisco, the best ones. There's little ones like Seattle and Chicago and other areas, but tiny. If I was like in Bremen, Indiana still, I couldn't have started Farm Girl because I needed the ability to buy cheaply, like small, tiny, minuscule quantities of flowers, which you can't do most places in the United States. 80% of the flowers grown in the U.S. are grown in California. What What's the reason people buy flowers? Aside from the obvious, there's anniversaries, there's birthdays. What's one unexpected reason people buy flowers? Um those are the obvious, right? Like yeah. anniversaries, birthdays, stuff like that. The ones that we love the most, and there's a huge percentage of our business is not those big life moments. They're little things like starting a new job or a breakup or I'm sorry your life sucks right now. Um, you know, like things like that. It's not like someone died in their family. It's that they're just having a bad week, you know? Okay. Um, What's the most popular flower that you sell? Uh, so our model is different where you don't get to pick the flowers. Ah, uh, yes. You right. pick the size. So, I mean, obvi- our small burlap arrangement is the number one because it's the price point, which is usual. Um, but the favorite flower across the board is peonies, ranunculas, and anemones. Huh. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Probably a king protea. I have no idea what yeah, that is. Yeah, no idea what that is. Yeah, You're going to have to Google this after. <laughs> They're like $12 a stem wholesale, so that's probably why, too. <laughs> uh, Facebook? Are you, uh, tell me your, tell me your quick, I know this is like, again, we're bouncing around Facebook. Are you a fan or are you not a fan? Absolutely. I'm a fan. Um, it's because your husband works there. Well, no, actually it's in the family now (laughs) that, I mean, he would be really mad if I said no, but no, um, we wouldn't be where we're at right now without Facebook and Instagram. Um, it allowed it like democratized marketing for small businesses. I think it like allowed small businesses to get in front of people in a economical way that we wouldn't have been able to before. So, you know, we are social by design. We have more engagement on our pages, uh, our digital pages, than our four biggest competitors combined every month. Wow. So, yeah. So we need that. Um, that's why we spent $2.84 per $90 average order value last year on marketing, and our competitors wow. spent nineteen twenty two. dollars I love that's how awesome. precise she is. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I like numbers a lot. <laughs> uh, and so you're one of these Instagram brands. I mean, like you grew yes. an, an Instagram following, became... Yes, we didn't go to fan farms and try to inflate because that would have been shooting ourselves in the foot because right. it's our number one marketing channel. How long Can... did it take? Sorry, uh, Yasha. You know what, Yasha? I got to say, you know, the first interview we were we were totally <laughs> in but I'm just like what, we, what's we actually going on? keep a we keep a, a little pot over in the corner and we put a dollar every time we talk over each other. It's pretty awesome. Oh, what do you do God. with it? What are, well, we give it to Tyler. <laughs> oh. He's like, uh, it's a good use of it." He hasn't been getting a lot of money lately. <laughs> um go ahead. You know what? No, I I'm gonna pause right like uh, because like now I'm just I'm obsessed with the flower business. I want to. Well, I am too. And so here's my question: Can your business live in San Francisco? Like, can you stay here? I don't think so, to be quite honest. Um, I hope London Breed is listening right now. Um, so yeah, uh, I really want to stay in San Francisco. I mean, we still do about three to four million dollars of business. Uh, 
by bike courier yeah. here in San Francisco every year out of the 23 million that we're doing this year. Um, it, I, I love San Francisco still. It's still as much bad as there is and as many problems as there are with homelessness and just, you know, expense and not being able to hire hourly employees, non-tech workers, things like that here. There's also just an energy here that is still here and it's amazing, but it's just too expensive. I mean, the reasons, the same reasons that so many restaurants are shutting down because they can't get dishwashers under 25 bucks an hour. Yeah. Like, you know, our average pay is about 1950 an hour and that's all we can afford with benefits, full benefits and 401k. What do you need London Breed to do? Um, I need her to work on policies that are more pro-small, medium businesses, non-tech companies. Mm-hmm. It's really sad to me that we're losing any kind of non-tech industry here in the city. And it's because, you know, there are businesses like ours that cannot pay people $150,000 a year to do what they do. And we need... You know, instead of giving tax breaks to big companies like Twitter, why are we not doing that for small businesses instead? Um, small non-tech businesses so we can keep <laughs> more people here. Um, I think you should yeah. run for office. I would yeah. love to run for office with that stance so, on small so why don't, businesses. So why don't you do it? Uh, time. I already work like 20, 22 hours a day. So. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're going to work 80 hours a week at whatever. So, you know, you can work 160 hours a week. Yeah. How many hours are in a week? I have no idea. 140. You're like, I hours a week. <laughs> but that's interesting. So have you thought about uh, working with your local uh, kind of reps? Do you, th- I mean, the, the it's not a joke when Sunil says, do would you run for office? The mayor is a kind of big public mm-hmm. office, but there's a lot of other kinds of offices that are available to you in the regions that you live in and work in. Like, would you do that? Maybe after Farm Girl. Um, yeah. My husband actually is the one that should run for office. He's much more passionate than even me about it. Um, I'm pretty much all of my passion is in the small business area, yeah. small medium businesses. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I have more time, definitely. How often do you send your husband flowers? Uh, I used to all the time, and he ne- he always gave them away in the office, so he didn't uh-huh. really. The thing that will blow your mind, I just thought of it. Eighty uh, percent of people that buy flowers are women buying for women. Men don't buy flowers, oh. by the way. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. at all. So if you take Valentine's Day out of that, I would say it's probably 90 to 92%. Whoa. So and the reason is, and that blew my mind, and everybody I talked to, like all the potential investors that I've tried to pitch to uh, unsuccessfully, um, have, you know, always thought it's like a male-dominated consumer field, and it's not. It's all women. It's um, women know what it feels like to receive flowers, and so they want to give that feeling to all of their girlfriends and mom and sisters and all the women in their life. Hmm. Well, uh, just a little plug for your business. I think the idea that you can subscribe to and get flowers delivered at a frequency that you can count on is pretty cool. And maybe that's available Mm -hmm. in other places. I just had never taken advantage of it. It is the number one thing you can do as a partner to somebody. Like I set it and forget it. Every month, Farm Girl Flowers sends flowers to the most important people in my life. So you're gonna oh, you're gonna start sending flowers to no, me? No, I already yeah. do. Like it's it is the thing to, about to Farm Girl Flowers to you. I don't know, maybe so I haven't, I haven't received. I'm not one of the most important people <laughs> yeah. in his life. Clearly, yeah. I, I know you. I know you're asking if I'm gonna send you flowers. Maybe we'll think about it. Yeah, okay, we'll, that's what we're gonna use the dollar tip jar. For. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting we're getting close to to time here. Yeah. We uh, we close out with. Uh, with a question, which is, you know, who are your favorite social media follows? Who do you, you know, you're, you're big on Instagram, it seems like. Who do you follow for inspiration? 
Um, so I have lots of different sets of people that I follow, um, from artists like Alexander Z here does woodworking, um, lots of creatives like that. I'm really into supporting other female entrepreneurs. And so, and also I'm really, I, I like to support ones that are not afraid of voicing their political feelings as a company as well. So Sophie and Lily is one that I really, she's a, she's an illustrator, um, and she is very vocal. Um, I have a very robust a group of female entrepreneurs um, that like Jenny's Ice Cream, just lots of them that I, I follow and I love that they're very active as well. Um, as far as like, you know, social media time, because I'm also the marketing department, um, I have one halftime person. I spend most of my time on social media, like doing our marketing ads and <laughs> things like that, posting our creative content and answering people on our own pages just because we're so time strapped. But um you know, I've listened to your podcast and what people say that they, they read devoutly. And there's some San Francisco, like I love Bob Cut. I don't know if you've heard of. Um, it's an online magazine. And I love that they're very, um, have their finger on the pulse of what's going on very quickly in San Francisco. And like with air quality, you know, keep great resources for that. I also religiously read the Forerunner Ventures. The Forerunner, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. their newsletter is amazing. Um, they invested in one of our um not us, another company that looks strikingly similar to us. And I have this pretty woman moment someday that I, I'm hoping that like they'll be like, whoa, we invested in the wrong one. So, oh, Green, well, hey, listening. listen, if uh, <laughs> you know what, we'll tweet Forerunner after this. Oh, yeah, we know up. I have some mutual friends. Oh, so, if Forerunner, if you're listening to this, Farm Girl. <laughs> I, I don't know the name of the competitor, but you know maybe you bet on the wrong one. Put that put that in your head. I don't think I can say that legally, but thank you for saying that. But um, their newsletter is amazing, though. So everybody on my team, my management team, reads their newsletter every week. So awesome! Hey, today's been fantastic. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, thank you for having me. This has been so great. I'm going to send you flowers for now on, Daniel. I, you know, after hearing some of the stats, I want to start sending more flowers to people. Yeah, well, you should, and you probably should use Farm Girl. <laughs> Yeah, no, Christina is just, uh, you know, what an authentic and genuine person. And it's just one of those people you root for to succeed. Absolutely. Well, we're going to root for her to succeed. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, as much as we've enjoyed this conversation, maybe go back to the app that you found this podcast on, rate us five stars, add a comment. It helps out the podcast a bunch. We hope you enjoy it. And don't forget to send flowers.